The following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production, bringing on-demand geek audio straight to your eardrums one podcast at a time. To listen to more great geek audio podcasts, check out the R.E.D. Podcast Network at redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Welcome back to episode number 48 of the 11pm Somewhere Podcast. I am your host, Dean, and as always, I am here to whoop ass, take names, get atop my craft beer crate, and extol the righteousness that is the craft beer scene across the island of Ireland. Folks, thanks very much for tuning in yet again to another episode of the world's most dangerous podcast, and a podcast slowly recovering its number one spot on the Irish craft beer podcast scene. It is the morning after the night before, and my head slightly hurts. And now some of you out there are already laughing at that. And good for you. Yesterday, I was up at ABV Fest up in Belfast in the Titanic drawing offices with none other than my... uh, my good buddies Janice and Wayne from the Irish Beer Snob Podcast. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm taking my spot back. Um, and you know what? This is, I think, the first time I've gone to a beer festival outside of Dublin. That might shock some people. Yes, it was the first time I'd gone up. Uh, we decided to take the train up, do it as a day trip, go up there and try and sample as many amazing beers as we could. And crikey, did we. Um, I just want to talk through some of the beers that I actually had up there, and I want to talk about the festival itself. Okay, the festival itself was actually quite a small affair. It's not as elaborate or anywhere as big as the Irish Craft Beer Cider and Whiskey Festival is in the RDS that we have in uh, like Q3 of each year in Ireland. Um, But in saying that, you know, I'm kind of getting to like these smaller festivals an awful lot more. And the reason I like them a lot more is that I think that it's a little bit more condensed and I think you have it focuses on what the actual importance of the thing is and um, my problem with the Irish craft beer cider and whiskey festival has always been that um, this festival got renamed because of tealings um, bringing whiskies and also porterhouse bringing their dingle products uh, and sort of the growth of Irish cider as well um, now I'm not saying you should ever exclude Irish craft cider. I do believe that there is a massive gap at the moment for a dedicated cider festival in Ireland. Um, and focusing on, on the awesomeness that is currently being produced by our cideries. Um, but I do think that, you know, when you've got ones that are just focused exclusively on beer, it allows you to just dial into what you're there to celebrate, which is beer. Um, but in saying that, let's get into talking about some of the beers 
Now, up there, we had a couple of Irish be uh, breweries take the trip up. Uh, Galway Bay, 8 Degrees, uh, we're up there as well. Now, I know some people are saying, hey, asshole, uh, the breweries that are up in the north of Ireland are Irish breweries as well. Here's the thing. Breweries in Northern Ireland are actually still considered to be British craft beer at the same time as being Irish craft beer. Um, and you know, for, you can take the, uh, the nationalist idea and say, well, they're Irish craft beer because they're on the island of Ireland. Or you can, like, they can't be both. Okay. It's, it's just ridiculous to say that. Um, because if you look at any of the, uh, craft beer sites in the UK that sell the beers that are coming out of Northern Ireland, uh, they're actually listed as British craft beers. They're not listed as Irish craft beers. Um, and I think, you, you know, you have to take it as that the breweries that are up in Northern Ireland are subject to the British tax regime in relation to breweries. And they're subject to British licensing laws about how these breweries are established. And I think you have to draw a line in the sand with that and say that, look, if they're subject to that tax regime and they're subject to uh, the inland revenue in the UK... They're British craft beers. And I know some people are going to take that as controversial, but Irish craft beers to me are beers which are made in Ireland and are subject to the Irish revenue commissioners and to them. So you have to take it as that. Uh, even if you take them as if they get exported, like they don't appear in Irish GDP figures. They don't appear as part of Irish exports. Um, so you have to take it that they're British craft beers. So anyway, Goy Bay brought up a couple of beers. They brought up a Foam and Fury. Apparently the last couple of kegs of it that are existing on the island of Ireland, if, um, what I was told. So like Foam and Fury at the moment is, well, at the moment is, it doesn't seem to be around the place too much, um, in the pubs, which has kind of annoyed me slightly, but, you know, these things happen, beers run out, and I know the guys are, are constantly chasing their tail in terms of trying to keep up with demand, being able to put their hands on hops and the rest of it. Uh, Trouble Brewing were up there, which was awesome. Um, you had Boyne Brew House up there as well. You also had uh, Kinnegar were up there. Rascals were up there. Um, and you know, and McGraths as well were up there as well. So that was, it was pretty cool to see, uh, those ones up there. And in terms of ciders, they had a couple of Irish ciders going up there. You had McIvers going up there. You had Tempted going up there. Uh, and that was cool. Now, Galway Bay, they did a collaboration brew with, uh, Boundary Brewing called Border Hopper, which was this, they actually marked it that it was an Imperial IPA or a double IPA. And the thing was actually closer to a barley wine than anything else, and it was an, it was a really really beautiful beer. Quite enjoyed that seven point seven percent, just big bold brash, um, just unashamed of what it was, and that was actually pretty cool. Um, Trouble brought up their Centennial IPA, which I actually really like, and uh, and even when I got to taste it in the brewery, when Mark Nixon was kind enough to have me over. Really, really enjoyed it. Fantastic beer. Um, Boyne Brewhouse brought up their long arm Dortmander export, um, which is a lager. Now, here's the thing me and lagers are real love hate relationship, and lager for me is, is totally marmite. Either I will love the beer or I will hate it. There's very, very, 
rarely ever a middle ground. And people, and people out there are like, Jesus, Ian, there's never a middle ground with you. With lagers, really isn't a middle ground. It's just not a style of beer I really enjoy at all. Uh, and I actually, I was kind of okay about that one. It wasn't, wasn't overly, I wasn't pissed off about it and I didn't love it. It was, I think it's one of the few times I've had a lager and I went, eh, it's alright. Um, now, a couple of the other beers that were up there um, were, like, Mad Hatter had this thing called Fattest Stout, which was a 9.5% uh, Imperial Stout. And the absolutely crazy thing about this was, this in no way gave any hint that this was an Imperial Stout. I mean, this was like a ninja wrapped in velvet. And you don't even know it's hit you until you're like lying on the ground looking upwards. It was beautifully silky, beautifully smooth, uh, and just absolutely insane. And here's the funny thing. A couple of Beavertown beers were actually up there. And one of them was the Espresso Barrel Age, which is their Imperial Coffee Stout. Um, and, you know, the fattest stout by Mad Hatter, absolutely pissed all over it uh, so I think that's an absolute testament to the guys in Mad Hatter to that beer um, because it actually made the Beavertown beer which was the same ABV it actually made that feel like utter weak sauce um, so absolutely hats off to you gents uh, that was an incredible feat the Magic Rock uh, was one or two beers went up there that was the Magic Spanner Extra Pale Ale actually really enjoyed this. This was a, a one of those ones which is a sub 4% pale ale. So it fits in alongside things like um, Little Things That Kill by Weird Beard, Dead Pony Club by Brewdog, and uh, Peter and Mary Pale Ale by McKellar. And, you know, I thought that was an absolutely stunning beer. It was a peachy, loads of melons and citrus. Uh, and it was just real, really juicy. It was an amazing beer. Really enjoyed that. Now, one of the beers that turned up, which was probably one of the most head fucking things I've ever seen, um, was this absolutely sort of a lurid, creamy pink um, saison that was done by Partizan, which was their grapefruit and lemongrass saison. Um, saisons again. I am, um, Saison's would not be in my favourite beer styles, in fact, to, to, to impress me with a Saison, it actually has to be absolutely standout. Um, again, like, you know, when I think about, like, some of my favourite Saison's, you've got things like, uh, Black Donkey's Sheep Stealer, which is absolutely amazing, if I think about, like, 8 Degrees, uh, the Nelson Sovan Saison, um, their two, which absolutely stand out to me, and I was utterly in love with, and the Nelson Sovan one was actually up at this, which was fantastic, um, I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the, the Grapefruit and Lemongrass Saison by Partizan, now, it would it be one that if I seen it on a bar tap, I'd order it again? No. And that's the thing I have to be brutally honest about. And when it comes to a beer, like my, I think my judging of it is that if I enjoy a beer, that's fine. But the real question is, would I order it again if I seen it in a bar? Um... Now, in terms of, like, Boyne Brewhouse and Fattest Stout, Fattest Stout was in a bar. 
I'd actually order that again. The Beavertown Espresso, mm, no, I think it's probably one of the few Beavertown beers where I'm like, I was underwhelmed by it. Uh, the Magic Rock, I would definitely order it again if it was in a bar. The Partisan Saison, probably not. Um, Evil Twins Low Life was actually pouring as well. Again, this is a Pilsner slash lager, and I don't care who does it. Like I, I'm not overly enamored by this style of beer. Um, Tiny Rebels Fubar was up there as well. Um, again, it was all right. It was like 4.4% pale ale. It was in the offense of nothing stand out. Would I order it again? No. Would I recommend it to someone? Probably not. Um, same with Station Works Fox's Road, uh, another pale ale. Wouldn't be particularly um, enamoured with that. No, it's not one that I'd happily recommend to people. Uh, now, the Colonel. They brought up this Imperial Brown Stout, which was 9.9%. And to me, this was my beer of the day that I was up there. Without a shadow of a doubt, this was an amazing, incredible beer. And if this was on in a, in a bar again, like I don't care what the hell is on top, they could have stone on top, and I'm still going to probably choose hitting the Colonel Imperial Brown. That's how utterly impressed I was with it and how much I loved it. Amazing, amazing beer. Really, really loved it. 9.9% uh, .9 as well. It did not hit like it was 9.9, .9, and trust me, that wasn't the beer talking. Um, I tried the Burning Sky Flanders Red, which was a 6% sour, and to be honest, I really wasn't enamoured with that at all. Um, it just did absolutely nothing for me. Um, it's almost the same as like when I go to the States and I have sour beers over there. Um, far too often am I in the States that I have a sour beer... And it's just super medicinal, and it almost tastes like I'm drinking, um, like Beecham's Blackcurrant, or or some other a another flavor of like uh, Beecham's Lemsip, or one of their. Uh, I just hate that sort of real chemical taste that comes off to my like I. What's funny is people keep saying that the American sour beer scene is so much further ahead than in Europe, and. Uh, to be honest, they might be ahead in terms of experimentation, but if you like medicinal tastes off your frickin' beers, like, I don't see how that's being ahead. Medicinal tastes in a beer is not particularly nice, um, and I don't particularly like it either. Uh, Sirens White Tips IPA. Again, I think this is white IPAs. You know, I don't get the style. I don't understand that it doesn't resonate with me. I don't think I've had a white IPA that I like, ever. Um, they just do absolutely nothing for me. And you know, I think out of the amount of beers that I've tried by Siren, I think this is by far the weakest of all the beers that they've put out. Now, another one that went up on um, they had up there was one of the to all fuck art, the heathens are coming. This is a saison that I am actually hugely, hugely fond of. Um, so this falls into my category of like when I see it, I'm having it, and it was up there again. So like I had it. That's a that's a really strange thing for me to do. 
Buxton brought up their brewery czar, uh, which was this 9.5% imperial stout. And this was absolutely just insane. You On the nose, there was just loads of cola no, notes in there. And in the taste, there was just a slight bit of it as well. Uh, really hugely enjoyable. Yeah, beer, 9.5%. Like, this was the beauty about this festival. They brought up, they had a ton of really, really big beers up there uh, that weren't afraid to pull any punches, and I really enjoyed that. Marble Breweries, Brew 900 as well, was this uh, Belgian strong ale um, at 9%, and again, I didn't like it. Um, Belgian strong ales, one of my biggest problems I have with some of this these beers that get turned out is... Just the level of sweetness that's in it. Uh, and again, that's just down to the beer styles. Very often they're, bell- they're brewed using um, uh, like candied sugar. So you get this massive, massive amount of sweet. Now I know you're listening to this and going, but hey, dickhead, you like Tokyo by Brewdog, which is insanely sweet. Yes, that's true. But Tokyo has a... A really, really cool bittering curve that lies against that sweetness. Um, so you get this like sweet and bitter thing going on at the same time, um, and that is thick and luxurious. Whereas this, uh, you know, it was just kind of like syrupy, sickly sweet, which I, I really, really wasn't that enamoured with. But again, I think it's just because like Belgian strong ales and me were just not best friends at all. I don't think we're ever going to be. Um, Poker Tree's Dark Nirvana, which is their uh, black IPA at 6.5%, utterly in love with this. Um, this is another one of those like sort of black IPAs that just absolutely nailed to the fucking floorboards what a black IPA is supposed to be. Too often I've had a black IPA and I kept, I've, I've found myself going... You've missed the point of having a black IPA. Um, this one just absolutely nailed it. And again, I think it's... I like Sam Black's uh, Black's IPA. Really enjoy that. And there's a couple of other black IPAs I've had. I think it's... Uh, that I, Like Libertine, I have I've a huge fun spot for. Um, and there's a couple, there's, uh, there's a couple of stone ones and uh, a couple of other ones that I've really, really enjoyed. But then there's been some where I've just been like, do you even understand what the point of getting a Canadian dark ale is? Uh, this just nailed it to the floor. Hildenbury's Twisted Hop IPA. Um, I've got to be very upfront. I don't like the beers that Hilden do. Um, they're just not to my taste. They're not to my style. Not to my liking. And uh, again... It's not a reflection on the way the, that they make the beers. I think they make they make some incredibly well made beers, but they're they're just not for me, um, and that's regrettable. Um, maybe that's my loss. I don't know, but I wasn't that happy with it. Now another black IPA that I had, and you know at the time because it was the opening beer that I had when I went up there. I thought, hmm, this is nice, but then sort of like on reflection, like after I'd had um, Poker Tree's Dark Nirvana, I was like, yeah, this isn't a great beer at all. And this was Barahuli's Brewery, their 4.8% black IPA. And, you know, I think it's just the fact that it, it was actually very, very thin uh, at 4.8. Uh, I think you lo- it lost so much of 
what should carry in a black IPA in terms of like chocolatey coffee notes coming across in, in the IPA. I think it lost an awful, awful lot of that. Um, and I wasn't, just was not that gone on it as a whole. Now, in terms of ciders, I did try the Long Meadow cider that was up there. And, you know, that was actually kind of enjoyable. It was almost like this fruit crumble type uh, flavor going on. like an, And I really, really, I like that. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, I'd often thought about, in terms of, like, ciders, it would be really cool to try and do a cider, add some lactose to it, um, add a little bit of lemon to the apple process, um, and just to see if you can even blend it with, so with um, I don't know, like a, a really sort of a, a nice red ale, and you get this sort of like an apple crumble hybrid going on in a glass. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Again, that's just my fucked up thinking in, in there. I'm always just trying to find ways to do something really, really cool when it comes to... Uh, comes to cider and it comes to uh, beer as well. It's just a brewer in me. Uh, and the crazy mad scientist is way you would call it. Um, but, you know, the food that was up there as well was actually really enjoyable. Uh, they kept it quite simple, kept it quite local as well, which was great. Um, there was one of the woodworker beers up there as well. Um, and I got to try that. And again, it was okay. Um, wasn't really that enamored with it. To be honest, you know, I look at these sort of festivals and yes, I understand that the majority of people who are going to attend them are people who may be not as far down the rabbit hole as maybe I am. And I understand that. I understand that there's a balance that has to be, um, has to be shifted between them. But my issue with it is, in one respect, is that we have the likes of Diageo jumping in with, like, their Smithix Blonde and their Smithix This, their Smithix That, their Bullshit Brewers um, series. And they are now redefining the entry-level part of craft beer. Um, whether I like that or not, or whether any of us like that or not, they are now jumping in and they're defining that, you know what, these are starter beers. Uh, even though they are not craft beer under any fucking circumstance. Um, there is no craft in the massively industrial process where there is no fresh hops going in um, and it is the result of what comes out of a fucking science lab. Um, so... To me, it's not craft, um, and but that is now seeing as people moving away from macro lagers like Carlsberg, Heineken, and these macro breweries are looking to introduce people to this. And you know, if I'm a craft beer brewer, I would actually be looking at this, going, "Okay, why am I trying to compete with this entry level starting point?" Okay, why? And when you look at so many breweries that are popping up. In the, in the island of Ireland. Why would I be trying to... Why would I not be looking at picking up people who go from... Yeah, I've had the blonde and I've drank that for a while. It's getting... Uh, I want something a little bit more adventurous. Why would you be not looking to pick people up and hook them in at that point? 
if the big boys, you know, the big boys are never going to do anything exciting. They're never going to do anything interesting. They're never going to do anything original. And they're intent on going for this middle ground market because that's where they see it's being hoovered up. So why would you not want to step one footstep away from that and move towards the next step where you can pick them up? Or you can pick up people and you can hold on to them. Because right now, the way I look at it is that so many Irish breweries, and again, this isn't really a criticism, it's more an observation. So before people start sending me anthrax in the post and the rest of it, um, this is, why would you want to give people an entry into craft beer and then give them absolutely nowhere to go but to go and buy foreign imported beer. And yes, I did just say that. Mr. Brewdog Ireland himself did actually just say that. I am guilty of this, but it's because Irish brewers, nine times out of the ten, in fact, 99% of the time, after they, they, they put out these really, really incredibly well-made pale ales and IPAs, they give me nothing else, nowhere else to go, nothing exciting to go to. Um, I mean, I think in Ireland, you know, Brewdog's Punk IPA, as far as I understand it right now, I think is the best-selling craft beer in the country uh, in terms of volume that's shifted. Now, here's my my point. Only one brewery in this country has made a beer in terms of an IPA that is on par with that in terms of flavor profile. And that's 8 Degrees with their full Irish. Um, Sam Black's uh, KPA it is, for me, also one of those beers that's on par with it. But, because it doesn't carry the IPA name, it's just like a Kinsale Pale Ale. Um, you have to consider it, even though the ABV is higher, you have to consider it in the same league as, say, Dead Pony Club. But on a technical level, being an asshole, uh, Dead Pony Club, to me, is a better beer because it's at 3.8%. It packs in all that flavor. Now, Sam's Session Pale Ale, called a Session, I would say, like, ounce for ounce, is as good as Dead Pony Club. Uh, two slightly different beers in terms of their approach and the flavors that they're bringing out, but again, equally impressive. I don't think I've had an IPA by uh, an Irish brewer, like apart from eight degrees, um, that it was, I could say, was as good as Punk IPA, um, or as consistent as Punk IPA. That's, that's even more fucked up. Um, but so, Irish brewers, like the one message I would give is, you know, if Diageo and them are so intent on jumping into this middle ground, middle of the road craft beers, okay, you can't compete with them on money spend. You can't compete with them on marketing. So they are going to heavily market their drab, dreary, chemical loaded piss pale ales and nothing you can say by going well hey they're not made with fresh hops hey they're made in industrial process hey they're not craft consumer doesn't give a shit about that ultimately the consumer also doesn't care about the price point because those beers are also starting to be priced in the same category as craft beer so you need you can't differentiate with them on a marketing basis and which is people are going to buy with their eyes so, 
then everyone who goes into drinking craft beer, they eventually move into other beers and they move into stranger, stronger beers. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone starts running for 10% Imperial IPAs, but they start moving along where they're like, okay, I need a little bit more bitterness. I want a little bit more citrus in there. I want more flavors. I want more fruit. I want more resin. I want more... I want a hoppier beer or I want something just a little bit more aggressive and exciting. So why would you not give them that place to go? To me, it just makes sense. Um, and again, look at the facts. If Punk IPA is the best-selling craft beer in Ireland and Sierra Nevada's Torpedo is selling as well as it is and things like Hop Hunter are taking off and you look at the foreign beers that are coming in and they're... And they're taking retail space and people are buying them. Well, that should tell you where the market is and it should tell you the, of where you need to go. And putting yourself down in the same category and in the same sphere as those who are turning out very bland and ordinary pale ales, that's not the market and the road you should be looking at because that only ends in one way. That is a trip to the bottom of the barrel and you do not have the money to spend to climb out of the barrel that they are building that you are going to find yourself looking up out of the bottom of. Uh, and that's just simple business and simple economics um, is that when you, you are become, going to a zero-sum gain fight, um, you the thing is to change it up and to and to be different as opposed to being a and other and I fear that too many Irish breweries are going to find themselves in this scenario and it's a shame when you consider how difficult it is to open a brewery and how and how many of them actually str are are struggling to try and get make a name for themselves and stand out but again there's I think time will tell and you'll see the people who are smart and realize this and will diversify and change and adapt and eight degrees of one of those breweries that have done it sam black from out the gates has done it um i have hugely high hopes for rye river uh based on the fact that alex is the head brewer over there and he is just an absolutely insane maniac when it comes to beers uh and i know niall and alan um they want to do things a little bit crazier and a little bit more interested and, and different as well. Um, I look at what uh, Richard is doing down in Black Donkey, again, being really bold in this really kick-ass saison um, that he, he started out in. And then his summer beer that I got to try, which was just absolutely mind-blowing. Trouble again, Mark Nixon... Uh, really just starting to turn out some really weird and cool beers. Uh, again, I really like that. And the fact that they're looking to change up a couple of bits and pieces as well, which is a really, really positive and, uh, and it's a great thing. Galway Bay, again, I think, you know, I really like Galway Bay's beers. I like what they do, but I think their stuff is slightly starting to slow down. Um, and I look. I know they're diversifying. If you look at some of the things that they've done in terms of like their own Dortmunder, um, and their Viamaris series and the rest of it, um, but to me Viamaris is not actually an in, 
I look at it that it, that's a um, that's an economics beer. It's not a deliberate beer. If that's to me is just trying to make the most out of uh, a very very expensive beer, which is their um, foam and fury. Now that's not to detract from it, but call a spade a spade. It's an economics beer. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more crazy stuff coming out of them. Um, I know they've got this barrel aging program sitting up in the old brewery at the moment, and I know that the sours that they put out from that that I've been, they have been really, really enjoyable. So I'm hoping for a couple of more of those to turn up and all the rest of it. Um, you know, it, going to beer festivals is great because it allows you to look and take stock of what's actually going on and what beers are available and what beers are trying to be pushed forward because it gives you an idea of where the market actually is. And in Northern Ireland, I'm looking at that and looking at the beers they had and the British beers and the foreign beers still tending slightly to rule the roost. But you think about Beavertown, Magic Rock, Colonel, and a couple of the other British breweries, you know, they are really starting to like punch back and fight back. And they're like, you know what, this is our market and we want to control it. Um, and we're not going to let foreign beers push us around. And I think Ireland needs to just take a little bit of stock of that. And that is, of course, the last orders bell. I want to say thank you very much once again for joining another episode of me ranting raving and looning on the 11 p.m somewhere podcast as always you can follow us on all the social media platforms 11 p.m somewhere facebook instagram twitter uh youtube videos will actually be coming back this year i'm in the process of designing and building like a proper set to go and do videos so i'll feel a little bit better about it so i'll be able to put a little bit more production value into things so that's just rolling along nicely uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't spend money on any advertisement. I don't take, uh, I don't push it out. I don't do it for money. So, you know, tell a friend, recommend it to more friends, and hopefully they'll tell two more. Use the sharing platform. This is how these things grow. Folks, it's been a pleasure as always. I've been me, you've been you. And remember, last one in the bar, locks up, turns out the lights, pays the tab. And goes home quietly. We have neighbors, goddammit. Cheers to you, craft beer drinkerati. The Irish Craft Beer subreddit contains all the latest news, reviews, blogs, and posts from around the internet about Irish craft beer. To find out more, check out www.reddit.com slash or slash Irish craft beer. Join the revolution.